So welcome to the Christina Talks podcast. As you know, I do a little bit of a mix. I'll do little episodes on my own, just talking about, well, whatever's in my head and things that are going on marketing-wise. And I will get guests on as well and do some nice interviews along the way. And today I have I have one of my partners in crime on the podcast with me. So please welcome Laura Perks. Hi, everyone. I'm Laura Perks. I'm a PR strategist, brand storyteller, and the founder of PR with Perks. And essentially, I play two roles within the business. So firstly, I support entrepreneurs and small business owners who know that they just do not have the time or the inclination to do their own PR. They know what their zone of genius is, and they would want us to outsource. So uh, first and foremost, we offer a PR concierge service, but this year I've started to lean in to the role of mentor and teacher. So actually this year I've also been teaching entrepreneurs and small business owners how to get PR themselves because it's not that difficult, but there's so much stuff that gets in the way of entrepreneurs knowing where to start, knowing how to start, what the process is. So I've got 18 years of industry experience, a plus three year industry degree. So I have a lot of knowledge. So this year it's all about me opening up my wisdom and really allowing entrepreneurs to fully understand the PR process, get involved and then start to see results for themselves. So everything I do is all about giving entrepreneurs and small businesses the opportunity to use their voice, share their message and make an impact on a wider audience. Excellent. So straight away, straight away, what I want to pick up on is like this, like PR as a thing. Okay. Because people will say, I need PR. I want PR. I have PR. Can you, can you do me some PR? It's 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 like, but they don't really know what it is that they're asking. Do you, do you get that a lot? Yeah, a lot. And I, I sometimes I have to question whether those of us in the industry aren't doing a good enough job at communicating what PR actually is. Because if you look at public relations, which is what PR is abbreviated from, it's communicating your message to your audience. It's you influencing behaviors. So technically, everything we're doing is PR. Now, as you know, marketing plays a very different role, but PR, marketing, social media, it's all there to deliver your product, your service, your message to a wider audience, nurture them into becoming buyers or super fans. So I always say that PR is top of funnel activity because you are taking one piece of content and one message and broadcasting it to as many people as possible. Now, this could be on a podcast like what you and I are doing. It could be in your local newspaper. It could be in a national newspaper, magazine, online. The amount of outlets we have access to these days is incredible. And I think this is where a lot of the overwhelm comes in. But that's something that we can talk about later. What we want to do is just drive more traffic into your business. So PR does that beautifully. Because we'll take the Daily Mail as an example. 1.2 million readers read that paper. 
the print paper every single day and online, I think they have something like 25 million unique visitors per month. So if you get a piece of coverage in the Daily Mail, online or in print, you have the potential to be positioned in front of 1.2 million in print, 25 million online. You cannot get that type of exposure anywhere else. So this is what PR does. It just elevates what you're already doing and just puts you in front of a wider audience. What we then hope is that the right message is landing with the right people who think, oh, yeah, I need to find out more about this. Most people will now follow you on social media. Some of them will check out your website. If you've got a lead magnet, you can then get them onto your email list. And this is where the marketing machine then starts to crank up. That's when marketing starts to perform its role. So for me, PR, get as many people into your business as possible. Thank you very much. The role of PR is done. We're going to now hand you over to our marketing team who are going to then kind of nurture you into becoming clients or super fans. So for me, that's what PR is. It's just putting you on a bigger platform so that more people see you, hear you, feel you, and think at one point they want to learn from you and buy from you. Absolutely. I think this is this is the thing, right? And we've so full transparency. When Laura and I first met, I kind of put her under a bit of pressure and, and asked, you know, like, what, what do you do? But you know, that that came on to, to the conversations and, and now we've we're working together. But this is the thing, it's marketers, a lot of inf- a lot of marketing influencers will talk about leverage. Okay. And I think this is where people really get muddled between I need this task done. Sometimes it's PR and they think it's marketing. Sometimes it's marketing and they think it's PR. But honestly, for me, it is the PR piece of it is it's the art and the skill of leveraging those that those other resources, whether it is, I don't know, BBC News or what's that thing that happens every morning on IT? Like Bill and what's it are on the sofa? Good morning, whatever. This morning, good morning. This morning, I don't know. I don't, I'm, yeah, I don't watch TV in the mornings. Um, but you know, it's it's that. It's anyone. Okay, I could do a search, drop someone an email, or drop them a message on LinkedIn, and I don't have the art or skill of a PR professional to be able to position that in the right way to actually even get a response, let alone a yes or a no. Yeah, and and it is an art. So I'm going to say thank you for referring to to PR as an art because it is a separate skill. And I'd I'd say this, and I've been saying this quite regularly to the, the entrepreneurs that I'm teaching. Sending an email to a journalist is different to any kind of email communication that you're used to. So if you're emailing a colleague, if you're emailing a client, if you're emailing your best friend, nine times out of 10, you're going to get a reply within two or three days maximum. Journalists will very rarely reply because some of them are getting up to 200 emails per day in their inbox. So If they're on deadline and they're researching articles and they only check their inbox once a week, can you imagine checking your inbox on a Friday to see a thousand emails sat there? 
So it's a very different process. And I know this from my own experience. If I don't get a response, I start questioning myself. Is it me? Is it what I'm saying? Is it my profession? In actual fact, it's none of those things. This is where we have to take ourselves out of the equation and put ourselves in the shoes of the journalist. They're not paid to sit on their emails all day. They're there to produce content. Back in the day, you know, when I first started in PR in 2004, we had magazines, we had newspapers, TV and radio. So although there were fewer outlets to to pitch to, there were more journalists. Now there's, whoa, been an explosion of how many outlets are available to us. And it's almost understanding the nuances of each out and how it works to think, oh my God, how do I stand out? But that's overwhelming. So then it all comes up again. I'm not getting a response. I'm crap. My idea is crap. I don't, this doesn't work. And I understand. So with PR, you need a thick skin. You need to be resilient. You need to think on your feet. But honestly, when that email pitch lands and you get a response, oh my God, even now, 18 years later, I still want to run to the fridge and pop open the Prosecco because it's like, I've had a reply. So it's almost learning what the process is so that you can remove your ego and understand, okay, I've sent this idea and it's probably going to take another two or three emails to get a response from a journalist. Even then, you may only get 1% of journalists coming back to you. And again, it's because they're working to a different deadline. They're working to a different agenda. They've probably not got the time or the headspace to even read your email properly. So what they tend to do is then file emails away. So when a relevant feature does come up, they've then got a bank of of experts to speak to. But in the moment, they've just got to focus on on content. And um, one thing I do need to say about online titles now, they're having to churn out 20 to 25 pieces of fresh content every day. They're constantly, constantly having to to work. So it's a really good thing to have all these PRs and all these entrepreneurs email them ideas, but their priority is to keep their readers engaged and entertained. So their priority is just to keep putting out this content. So I think it's, yeah, respecting the time element and knowing that everything is out of your hands and that there's a way to do things properly. <laughs> so are, are there ways to cut through that noise then? You know, if they're getting these 200 emails a day, how do you, like, as they're scanning down, how, you know, there's a name I've never seen before. Because I imagine there's there's a certain element of familiarity, of, like Laura's in my inbox again, what she got for me this time, because you become a reliable source. I guess. Yeah, definitely. So there are ways. Now, the the first way, and you'll know this as a marketeer, is the strength of your subject headline. Sometimes I'll put a subject headline that actually has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm pitching. And I did this to a, 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 a journalist a couple of months ago. I looked at her website because this is what you should always do. You always need to do your research to see what they're already featuring. And I saw on the website that there was this picture of her in this gorgeous leopard print blouse. And I love leopard print. So actually, the email subject line was in caps, which some people love and others 
don't at all. I just put, I also love leopard print. So I know that she's going to open that and be like, oh, oh, what's this about? The pitch had absolutely nothing to do with leopard print, but that was my way of getting her attention. So the subject headline is super important in just getting attention because that's the first thing you need to do. You need to stand out and get noticed. And then over time, you work on, on getting featured. What I love about that is that that's personalization as well. And like, don't get me wrong, you can't, of course you can't do that on mass. Of course you can't. But that is, per- and personalization always works from a marketing perspective. So I, I absolutely love that. And I guess this is the other thing as well. You can't, I, I guess it I've never even occurred to me, never thought about it before. But I guess journalists also know that they're getting copy and put like that email they've received is the same email that everyone else has received in that type that day that moment as well then just I mean is that is that a thing is that an issue that crops up so when I first started in PR I would say it was much more acceptable to do a copy and paste job because you you just needed to get coverage for clients For me personally, as I've built and developed my own business, I think, how would I feel if I received an email that was clearly copy and paste? I'd just delete it. I want it to be personalized because I want to build a relationship with this journalist. Yes, I need the journalist to get clients featured, but actually I care about the human being that sat behind the computer. So when I say, how are you? It's not just me being British and polite. I actually genuinely want to know, how are you? If the journalist comes back and says, I'm having a shit day, I'm like, okay, great. Let's have a conversation about it. But then you'll see on Twitter that some journalists will rip PRs to shreds. Stop asking me how I am. You're not interested. Just go straight in. So we're still kind of treading water on who, who wants me to be nice? Who doesn't want me to be nice? But um, I very much pride myself and it's something that I'm really kind of strong on with the team is I want your emails to be personalized. And this is one thing that I will always say to clients is we're very much about quality, not quantity. So we will pitch to a specific number of journalists every month because we are taking the time to research a the media outlet because we need to make sure that they're covering your content. We need to make sure that they haven't just written an article that we're about to pitch them. And we also want to get a feel for the journalist from a personal perspective, because then you can personalize the email even more. So the great thing about social media is you get to engage and connect with journalists in a way that we didn't have access to, you know, even 10 years ago. So, you know, I think for entrepreneurs nowadays, it feels easier because we have access via social, but actually journalists still want to have ideas sent in their inbox. They're on Instagram personally. They don't want you to then start pitching them in the DMs. And anytime I've ever approached a journalist about something work-related, like a collaboration, they've always been very polite and then just said, can you email me? But imagine if they're having to do that 200, 300 times a day they're going to start getting annoyed. So it's the same with the copy and the paste. Years ago, it used to work. 
nowadays not so much because journalists want to be treated like human beings. They don't just want to see a, a poorly researched pitch. And again, you'll see this a lot on Twitter. A sports journalist will tweet saying, I do not write about whiskey. The fact that it's David Beckham's whiskey is not enough of a news hook for me to write about whiskey in my sports column. That's a very tenuous link. <laughs> but this is this is what happens. And and I think I learned how to do PR the old school way, which is all about building relationships. It's all about researching a story. But then since running my own business, I've almost made it. That's our mission. Because these journalists are people we're going to be pitching ideas to all the time. I want them to start being able to trust us, us as credible sources, but also that our clients are credible sources. So over time, the journalist comes to us and says, we've got a feature coming up. Can so-and-so comment? So, yeah, the copy and paste, those days have gone. It still happens. Um, not on my watch. <laughs> Love that. Um, I know you've worked with quite a mix of clients, sort of different sort of backgrounds and that kind of thing, and all sorts of weird and wonderful um, news hooks, as, as you describe them. So, kind of like, what's the like? Share share a story or two with us. Like, what what's what's one that's been like? Wow, I can't believe I got that word. Or like one that's like a like the, the weird and wonderful that no one would ever believe. It's. Oh. You know, I always find these questions really difficult and you'll appreciate this when you've been in an industry for so long you kind of you lose track of time and you, you lose track of, of what you're doing but one example I'm going to give so I started working with a new client say April this year and I put together a, 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 a pitch around the brief that I was given he decided to work with us met him for a VIP day because again all my clients get a VIP day because it's really important for me to build that relationship and that trust and absorb all the information that I need to but during the VIP day the goalpost changed and he made it very clear that he had two goals the first goal was to have a conversation with a major UK airport and the second goal was to find a buyer for the business. And I'm sitting there thinking, whoa, okay, like there's no guarantees with PR in terms of where we can position you. There is, I cannot, <laughs> I can't, like, I'm actually scared to sit here and nod my head because the thought of getting him a conversation with a major UK airport or a buyer, I was like, oh. Yeah, like, not miracle workers. No, but I just, I sat and nodded, you know, that, mm -hmm, of course. Anyway, so he was very much like, you know, can you pitch us to the aviation press? Because that's, that's where we need to be seen. And this is where I will often challenge clients who are in the, the B2B space, because they've kind of got this tunnel vision that all their readers are reading the industry press. Now, I know. I don't read my industry press and when I've worked in agencies and the industry press has come in for our clients we never read that either so it was almost a case of yes we can because that's what you're asking for but actually people who are looking to buy businesses 
and <laughs> key decision makers at UK airports are reading national newspapers. So we managed to secure an interview which went into Metro and also the Telegraph. And from those two pieces of coverage, he then had an email from a key decision buyer at Heathrow and he was also in talks with someone to buy the business. Crazy, <laughs> isn't it? This is the thing. It's like you don't you don't know where it's going to go. You post that TikTok, you, it, it's going to get 33 views or 3 million. You don't know. But if you, you, you've got to be in it. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he said to us, it was almost like the perfect storm. And in a sense, he was the perfect client because he'd invested in marketing. He'd invested in a social media team. He'd invested in print and online advertising. So PR was the last thing for him to invest in. And he said, bearing in mind, we only worked with him for two months. Um, I'm normally a six month minimum. So we, would, we, we did a project and he said that there was no denying that that PR galvanized what he'd already done. But through the marketing, through the advertising, he could see where his customers were hanging out. So he knew that his buyer was going to be um, mainly female, mainly over a certain age. So we knew that by targeting these specific national newspapers, that he'd be in front of his key demographic. It also happens that a key decision maker at Heathrow saw the article, as did a buyer. And it just adds to your credibility. He could have absolutely been having those conversations outside of us doing the PR, but the PR will sometimes serve as a reminder to people. You know, if you're eating your cornflakes in the morning and you're flicking through Metro and, and this brand comes up that's been knocking at your door, you're going to take more notice. Um, the trouble is, I can't really use that. I can use the testimonial in my business marketing, but I can't say to people, oh, I can get you in front of a key decision maker at Heathrow because I, I haven't got that power. But I, I can't promise that. It just so happened. Perfect timing. It was the right piece at the right time in front of the right audience. But, but the thing is, if you think about it, you sort of say it's the, the perfect storm, but Surely those things should be standard. We should know what we want out of it, which he did very clearly. We're working with someone that's got the credibility to manage expectations, i.e. you in this situation. He's, he knows who his audience is. He knows what his message is. From a brand perspective, everything's in place. Like, you know, the marketing, the socials, all of that's in place. It's like, actually, this isn't a perfect storm. This is the stuff that should be standard. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's not. Or at least it's not with the clients that I tend to work with who are more kind of solopreneurs, for want of a better word, rather than small businesses. And I think sometimes our previous experience will have an impact on the decisions that we make in our own business. So he'd been an engineer, he'd been a consultant. His business knowledge was of a, of a kind of belief that he knew he had to invest and he knew he had to invest in all these pieces so that the jigsaw puzzle came together at the end. I think the challenges with PR and marketing and any kind of business promotion 
is not everybody has access to the same finances, the same assets. And it's almost knowing what to focus on first. And nine times out of 10, I will say to anyone who I have a conversation with, get your message down first. And the best way to test your message is on social media, because if the people you want to work with aren't following you or engaging with you, something's amiss. So you now need to tweak and refine and get that right. And then once you start putting offers out and building an audience, then you can work off of feedback. So I would almost say get your social media and your marketing nailed first, because that's going to give you all the answers that you need. PR is then just taking what you're already doing and just elevating it that one step further. I have a good friend of mine. Like his his marketing is great, his branding is, is great. Um, and he was he got placed on a TV show. And I think up until this point, he um he was a high net worth individual, but he wasn't particularly well known, I would say. Not not mainstream known. Um and you know, on, on that show, and within 24 hours, his website's crashed, gone down, can't handle the traffic, you know, and it, and it is like, this is the opportunity that exists. And, you know, people think about PR and the outlets and that sort of stuff. And they think about the big stuff, and we'll, 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 we'll um, come on to that in a minute. But I think it's important that we remember there's a lot of little stuff as well, like the local radio stuff which is still not easy to, to kind of get in with, but it's like we don't all have to be on the front of whatever magazine or be in, I going to say Celebrity Big Brother, but that's a bit out of date now, isn't it? But you get the point. I do, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think this is and one thing that I'm very aware of is when people say I want PR, I, I need to do more workers to finding out why. Why, why do you want PR? Is it because you've seen other people within your network online say, oh, I've been featured in the press, this is amazing, and you start to question, well, why, aren't, why haven't I been featured in the press? And it's something that I touch upon in the book that I've just written is, do you then resent the other person or the other brand for being featured in the press when you know that you have more experience? that you know that you deliver better results? Is it then a case of, oh, hold on, my ego's now bruised. I need to be in there to prove that I'm better than that person. And no, no answer is wrong. You know, if you want PR for an ego boost, brilliant, at least I know. If you want PR to drive sales, okay, that's then another conversation where I need to do more work explaining what PR does. But it's all about meeting people where they are and but understanding why. Because if it's just because five other people you know are doing it, it's not the right answer. If it's because you've, you've, you're doing everything else, but you feel like there's a next level available to you, yes, let's have a conversation about how PR can support everything else. Um, PR for me is, is never a one and done, and it should never be taken out of, out of kind of, it should never be done in, in isolation. Because as you know, oh, but you know what? I haven't used this analogy in ages, but it's almost like you go into a bakery and you see a stunning cake and you're like, oh my God, that cake looks amazing. 
but you know you can't eat a whole cake to yourself. So you just have a slice. So that slice of cake is PR, but the rest of the cake is your marketing, your social media, your email marketing, everything else that you're doing. Yeah, PR on its own is, is great, but you know what? If you had that whole cake, wow, your business is just going to take off at a faster pace than it is if you just take out individual slices. Yes, it is. Where do I start? Who do I reach out to? What am I going to tell them? Like, what are they going to want to hear? It's like... Yeah, it, it like, on its own, it's a lot. But when you put in everything around it about running a business... So I'm going to assume that most of your listeners have been in employment before setting up a business or a side hustle. So generally speaking, you're hired to do a job. You turn up every day, you do your job, you go home. There's so much stuff that you are unaware of because you don't have to be aware of it. You don't have to worry that everyone's being paid. You don't have to worry about when was the last time I checked in with this client? Is the client happy? We need like, we need to be bringing in new clients. You know, someone else was responsible for that. You run your own business and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, this is all down to me. I've got to do it all. And then I think at the beginning or when it feels like we're not making enough money, it can feel difficult to then outsource and bring other talent and skill set into your business. So then it's a case of, right, I've only got 24 hours in a day and I've only got so much headspace and energy to take stuff on. What is the easiest thing for me to do? Now, we all know, you and I, listeners alike, that social media is probably the easiest way to get your message out there. We're not really worried at this point how much engagement we're getting, (laughs) whether the content's any good. It's just, it's quick and it's easy and I can do that myself. I would argue that not everyone should. But <laughs> me too. <laughs> so I th- I think it's almost it's it's picking your battle, isn't it? It's almost right, what can I do to make myself and my business more visible, which I also have issues with. So we we start with social media and then social media doesn't really do what it's meant to. So you start joining different groups on Facebook and then you start seeing different offers for how to get to 10,000 followers on Instagram. Oh, yeah, I need 10,000 followers on Instagram. I'm going to buy that. And then someone else says, this is how to do lead generation through LinkedIn. Oh, my God, yeah, I need to know that. So they buy that thing. And all of a sudden, they've bought three or four things that they can't, they can't work through. And then they work through nothing and say it doesn't work. So if you've got all this going on, And then you think, I need a coach. A coach will help me focus. So then you spend more money on a coach and then focus on things that you hadn't even thought about. And then by the end of that experience, you still might not be any closer to where you were hoping you'd be. So then that didn't work either. So all of a sudden, you feel burnt and jaded and broke. (laughs) Right, that's it. I'm not invested in anything else. Nothing works. (laughs) Add PR onto the top. Which is then like, what? So, yeah, it then becomes big and it becomes scary. And the problem we all face as well with online content is that negative people like to share their shitty opinions. When I started in 2004, social media didn't exist. It didn't exist. And while 
there were online counterparts of, of magazines, print was still king. You know, I remember a time where our clients didn't even want to be featured online. It was it was pointless. So we didn't have to worry about what Sandra down the road thought about the rowing machine because Sandra couldn't tell anyone. <laughs> Unfortunately, now we've all got platforms to air our opinions and so many people are worried about the comments. And, and again, like nav- navigating the negative is, is something I really have to go into in the, in the book because we all have choices and you can choose to read the comments but just know that nothing good happens there. Or you can choose to ignore the comments and think, my whole reason for being featured in the press is bigger and more important than what these people think of me. So the comments can be overwhelming. The fear of the unknown can be overwhelming. Now, this is something that I realized last night. I put a post on Facebook, as as a way to just start conversations with people and probably to, you know, do a little bit of a segue into PR, which was, how do you really feel about being visible? What I wasn't expecting (laughs) was to learn that the reason I can't go live on any social media platform is because I have this innate fear of judgment. You know, I am a lifelong people pleaser And the thought of somebody in my own audience being like, oh, nah, do you know, I don't like her, is scarier to me than 25 million people who read the Daily Mail. I I can't see their faces. They're faceless. It's irrelevant. Get me in the press all day long. Put me on a stage and the performing monkey comes out. But actually speaking live to my audience puts the fear of God into me. So I've actually had to email my list. I didn't have to, but I was like, okay, this this is this is like the money shot. Because all the overwhelm that other people think about PR, I'm experiencing just not about PR. It's about going live to my own audience who are choosing to follow me. And it, it I think it's just unpacking where the overwhelm comes from. And with anything new. We don't know what we're doing. So the easiest thing to do is get an instruction manual or look on YouTube. Oh, I don't know how to change a flat tire. I'll go to YouTube. And then somebody breaks it down. Being featured in the press, all you need is to follow a process. And then all of a sudden, the overwhelm melts. It's like, oh, oh, is that it? And and I, I, <laughs> I had it inside. The, the PR portal. So this was this was the the new offer that I put out a couple of months ago, where I was teaching entrepreneurs how to get to the press. And one of the members, I think she sent out three pitches, and all three journalists came back and said yes. And she was like, "Oh, you know, it must be beginner's luck." No, <laughs> it's not beginner's luck. It's because you followed the process. You've done your research. You've proven that they need your expertise and you've pitched it in the right way to stand out and get noticed and your reward is that you get featured. But this is this is the thing. No, it's not beginner's luck. It's what you say, eight, it's 18 years of experience. 
And this is the thing. This is like, this is what's the value of PR, right? How much are we prepared to invest? Well, actually, when you buy into a service, it's, you're not, I had, the, I had this conversation with someone earlier today. They rang and they were, someone I've sort of had done stuff with in the past and they've got um, someone local to them is doing their social media and I think they've started out a bit like a virtual assistant kind of thing, doing a bit of social and then I'm increasing the rate and you ring in asking, you know, does this rate sound okay or not? And I'm like, well, what's the experience? What you what you actually? No, I didn't quite say it like this, but I thought, what are you actually buying? Because, um, you know, our service is more than what this person is suggesting the new rate will be. But it's that because we've got an agency. If someone goes on holiday, it's like not your problem. You know, it's a the business has been like we've been doing this for twelve years as a business. It's I you know I've I've been in here well it'll be ten years in January. You know, it, it's that. You've got all of this stuff behind it, all the structure and everything else. So you're not just buying um, somewhat. So I had a bit of a snarky meeting a few few weeks ago with someone who's new to the role. You know, just not all meetings go well. Let's not pretend everything's rosy, right? And a comment was made, well, it only takes 20 minutes to do that. Right. And I thought, yeah, it takes 20 minutes to do it once you've had like X number of years experience of doing it and have the skill set to enable you to do it in that amount of time. And and I was, you know, I, I was a little bit like I got 20 minutes, love, crack on, screen share. Come on, let's do it. But obviously I, did, I managed my state and I behaved myself. So it was all good. <laughs> I know you're laughing because you just can't manage. You can't imagine me managing my state. I know. I know um cool okay you mentioned the word so i'm gonna i'm gonna tap into this very quickly right in the world of marketing online every few years marketers ruin a word okay so remember when everything had to be authentic right we totally trashed that word i think visibility is the new word M like we like but we we marketers have got hold of hold on this word visibility and it's like when i'm like in a two months time and i'm writing my what's the marketing trend for 2023 it's all going to be about visibility it's like <laughs> it's, it's like visibility is have your face online basically yeah but if you if you look at the dictionary definition visibility is all about being able to see in front of you it's like you're driving your car down the road and there's poor visibility because it's raining so you put on your windscreen wipers there's poor visibility because there's fog so you put on your fog lights and this and I think the notion okay so so that you and the listeners understand if anything gets super popular I'm just anti <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not cool enough, personally. <laughs> I um, I refused to to like to buy an Apple iPhone for years because I was like, I had a Mac because obviously a Mac made me look creative, but the iPhone, no, everyone's got one. I don't want one. So when people start using these buzzwords, the the rebel in me just wants to just push it away. No, I'm not getting involved. And obviously visibility is, is part of business, but I think people over-egg the pudding. 
Yeah, it, you know, it's it's just it's. Um, <laughs> my dad sent me a message, right, and it's like it was like this. Anyone that's heard stories about my dad, he's like this cattle farmer in Buckinghamshire. He's like just so non-tech. It's like hilarious. So I don't even know how he got it because he's not on Facebook. But essentially, it was a screenshot of a Facebook post. Um, and it, it was like, it, it literally just says deja vu. The feeling of having heard this shit before. You know, and I was just like, that's brilliant. I absolutely love it. But I kind of feel like we had personal brands. Right, personal brand, personal brand. So everyone has to have a personal brand, right? The problem is everyone was born with a personal brand. You don't. It's not something you, you know, you you choose whether to leverage it or not. You don't choose whether to have one or not. Okay, so it's like the personal brand was really good. Right now we've got to be authentic. Now we've got to be right. Tell me the difference, right? We're going to work on your visible, work on your personal brand, and working on your visibility. Are they not the same thing? Personal, personal brand is all about being individual and deciding who you are. So that's different to being authentic because how? Yeah, how? <laughs> it's, so it, it's like it, it, it is just, and I'm saying this as a marketer, it's like sometimes we end up with marketers just repackaging things to sell the same stuff. And I guess that's our job to a certain degree. But, it, yeah, it's just like when these little trends pop up and I'm like, oh. Mm. Yeah, I think I I think I I have issues with it as well because for me visibility is very visual <laughs> clues in the title. But actually, it's not just you being seen; it's you being heard. It's your message. It's not how you look. And and again, it kind of I guess it plays into that rhetoric of people have to see you. Mm, I can understand how visuals will grab attention or they will disrupt the algorithm or you know stop people scrolling but it's your words that are going to make the impact it's your words that educate entertain and inspire so I think for me visibility just gets completely taken out of context in so many different situations and then you've got this whole thing of being visible doesn't mean you have to be seen every single day being visible doesn't mean post more on every single social media channel. It's like, no, come on. It's about, first of all, be intentional. Why are you there? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, my God. What are you sharing? Like, don't just rock up on social media. No, just do it because it's whatever time on that morning and therefore you must. It's like, it, I think that's the bit where I get. I get, um, I see a lot of people producing content that's not aligned with who they are or what they do, but they're doing it because um, there's there's, um, one of the entrepreneurial influencers in the UK. It's like every morning they're going live. I don't know why I don't just, in fact, I'm just going to do it now. (laughs) I'm just going to follow him now. I was going to say live on air, but like, you know, but um, yeah, I'm followed. It's like, it's an irritation every morning because essentially they are what's trending in the news. I'm going to do a live related to that, irrelevant of whether it matters to my audience or not. That, that's it. And that's what it all has to come down to. Is it relevant to your audience? And that, I would say, is the biggest bit that people miss out about PR because it's not about you. 
and it's not about me and it's not about the business owner. It's about what you can do for their audience. You know, these audiences have been curated. Like some of the print magazines have been going since like the early 1900s. Well, it's probably not the 1900s. That's a bit of a fabrication. But they've been around for like donkey's years. So they have a loyal following. And they've adapted with the times and they now have a separate online offering. And then they've adapted with the times again. And they now have content on Instagram. In my eyes, all they've done is just grown their audience. They haven't been like, oh, no, print's not selling anymore. We're only going to go online because they'll have a very loyal following print audience. It just may be that their online audience is slightly younger. It may be that people are consuming content on social media because that's where they're hanging out. But it's still the same media outlet. So if you look at things like that, and I'm going to use women's health as an example. I've, I've not personally bought a copy of Women's Health magazine for me. I've bought it for client research, but I follow them on social media because I enjoy their content and how they've curated their Instagram feed is it then takes you through to their website to read the content. But they're still printing the magazine because the readers that read them when they were 20 are still reading them in their 50s. So it's just this whole PR is dead, the print industry is dead, like just all this crap that comes out. And I'm like, stop it. Actually, you've got three bites of the cherry and so many of these outlets now have a podcast. So it's like four, four bites of the cherry. Yes, you might be having to have a conversation with four different people, but if you know it works for the magazine, it's going to work online and it's going to work on Instagram. So it's. <clears throat> I think a lot of a lot of it when it comes down to PR is <clears throat> not really understanding what it is or how it works or like you said earlier how to leverage what you're doing because that's all it is it's taking what you've already got you're not having to create posts in Canva <laughs> you're not having to think oh hold on my audience aren't going to engage until it's three o'clock in the afternoon no and then with digital as you know it stays online forever you're creating a digital footprint. Yeah, it's assets, assets all the way through. Okay, so, um, God, I've just noticed the time. It's really, really whipped by. Um, right, I, okay, I want to talk about ego. So the reason I want to talk about this, we were at an event together, and this is probably only the second time we'd been together face-to-face, and we, we weren't doing anything together at this point. And um, you said something. You said, like, everyone wants to be on the front cover of Forbes, and I was like, yeah, 100%, I do. It's like, I don't want to be in Forbes. I want to be on the freaking front cover, mate. I'm like, and, and we had a whole conversation about like PR and ego and that kind of stuff. And it is sometimes it's like, and you said, but if it's ego, that's okay. It's like, it's the, it's the, it's the credibility, you know, to be able to say, actually, I've achieved these things. Because in my head, I'm not going to get that unless I've done good work. So it's like, for me, my PR, act- the PR activity is very much connected to me rather than the business because rightly or wrongly, and I think there's arguments around that, but I think there's, um, I don't know, I think it's worth opening up the conversation around this e- ego piece because it, it was like, you kind of called people out and I went like, I'm, I'm in that camp. Yeah, I was probably laughing. I was probably taking the piss because. <laughs> um, so I I get it. 
because again as a lifelong people pleaser I want to be admired by other people I want to be praised by other people and rightly or wrongly getting featured in the press just puts you up a couple of pegs all of a sudden you know Joe and Joanna on the street will be like oh oh have you seen that Christina's in in the Daily Mail oh oh she must be really good at what she does so it's this kind of ups this subconscious belief that if we're good enough to get in the press then we're better than other people who aren't so it's absolutely okay to want to get in the press for external validation and to feel better than your competitors because in in a way you kind of are because it's demonstrating that you're prepared to do things that they're not prepared to do to elevate you and your business and I think this is the thing it's like you've earned the stripes as well yeah yeah and and the, the realization I had last night posting this post on Facebook that was really for me to talk about PR wasn't for me to call myself out on my own bullshit is you know I don't need to prove to anyone anymore that I'm an expert no I've, 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 I've done that now it's about leveling with people and I guess this is where the storytelling then weaves into the conversation now it's about talking about everything that comes up around PR so inner critic inner child work imposter syndrome fear of judgment people pleasing all of this stuff which I have experience in I'm like okay now that's what I need to be talking about I've proved that I'm an expert, maybe even an authority. (laughs) Now it's about having deeper conversations with people. So it's almost like, yes, I need to work with Laura because Laura's like me. And as we both know, people buy from people like them. And I had a a two-day VIP session with a new client last week thankfully because it was very intense and I just said to her you know I don't know how long we've been connected on Facebook should I've been following you for a while I was like oh okay should you I had to unfollow you so why she said because I put you on such a pedestal because you know your shit and all of a sudden I didn't feel good enough to work with you and I was like wow okay didn't realize This might be happening all the time, but nobody's actually had that honest conversation with me. I mean, it blows my mind. I think I'm the most laid back, easiest person to talk to, but I do show up and just say it as it is. And that makes people uncomfortable. But it's in the uncomfortableness where we learn the lessons. So for me, for about the last year, I have um, Akashic Tarot sessions every quarter and the same message keeps coming up. And it's like, leave me alone you know I'm, I'm I'm communicating I'm being vulnerable I'm healing and every quarter it's like no you need to do more you need to do more and I think in this moment last night and I was like oh this is this is this is where I communicate my vulnerability and while I heal myself I heal others as well so yesterday I had one of those days where I was like discombobulated everything was terrible I felt like I was just creating drama because everything else is going so well. And it's like, today it's like, 
no, that was that was you knowing that you're about to enter another phase and you, you, you're you kind of feeling out of control and you don't like it. And it's like, okay, there's another lesson I get to talk about. I get to talk to people about how to just sit with it and let it be uncomfortable. So, you know, everything I experience, I then want to share with others so that they can learn or they can feel normal that, oh my God, yeah, I can relate. Oh, is that what it is? So it comes back to PR, inform, educate, inspire, entertain. It's what, you know, it really is as, as simple as that. I love it because I say the same thing, like your, your social media content. It's like, it's, you know, it's to engage, entertain and educate all day long. That, that's like, as long as you're doing one of those three things, you cannot go wrong. It's, it really is that. I think part of the overwhelm is people think it's like this big, dark, like, dark art overcomplicated it's no it's it's really simple laura i'm going to draw things to a close thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today um like we've covered so much i've got like so many random words written down on my bit of papers we've been chatting like where i've wanted to go back to things and we haven't done it all so um but that's a good thing because we're going to be doing loads of stuff together in the future obviously if people want to get a hold of you they can like come through me but how like what's the best way of people Connecting with you directly so that they don't miss the launch of the book. So the best way. So I'm all about connection and communication. So I'm not very good at signposting people to my website and my lead magnet because actually I want to talk to you. (laughs) Um, So the best way is through social media, whether it's my personal Facebook. I've got a Facebook group called How to Get PR. LinkedIn. Instagram, you know, it's. I'm. I'm, I'm I was about to say I'm everywhere. I'm not everywhere. You're everywhere a journal can get hold of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect, Laura. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you.